What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. All right, Stallion, uh, had a first in the short-term rental space this past weekend. You want to hear it? Yeah, tell me more. Rented a place for my wife and daughter to go to a swim meet, right? I'm okay. sitting there I'm looking on Airbnb, and I'm looking for a place that would fit them, but also I wanted to come up for a day with the other three kids. So I needed it to be large enough for us to be there, but I didn't want it to be so big because they were going to stay there for three nights and we were only going to stay there for one night. Okay. Right. Right. Got and I'm looking, I'm looking for really close to the place I want to be at. And I find something and I look at it. I actually showed Megan all the pictures. It looked really nice. And I said, do you want to, do you want to book it? She said, yeah. And so I, I went ahead, booked it a couple hundred dollars a night. Okay. And she drives up there and sends me a message saying, oh, no. Houston, we have a problem. Uh-oh. She's like, I'm like, w w what's wrong? She said, I don't want to get out of the car. I was like, what do you mean? She said, the neighborhood that you've rented this in looks like there could be a gunfight at any point in time. And there's oh, definitely. Oh, no. Lately. <laughs> Sketchy. Like sketchy was many different descriptions that she used in this. So I had, I was like, so you don't feel safe. She said, no, I do not. What, what would you do, right? If you were the short-term rental host and someone messaged you and said, Hey, by the way, I know I booked your place for the next three nights and we just walked in, but we can't stay. It's just not going to be a good fit for us. If it was a safety issue, like somebody just did not feel safe, I would have to refund them. You do a hundred percent refund. I don't. I, I don't know what the parameters are, so forgive me. But I would say probably, probably most of it, if not all of it. Well, I did not get a hundred percent refund. I got about thirty-five percent refunded. Uh, and we booked another booked a hotel and ultimately I didn't end up going up there because the hotel obviously clearly doesn't fit our family. But I was sitting there deciding how am I going to get out of this deal? Thankfully we got some of our money back. Basically I spent an extra $400 that I didn't use right. <laughs> for this place. And I think that there is, therein lies part of if we're, looking for short-term rentals, one of the things that Clint, our operator, whenever he's going through this process in the short-term rental course, if you're going to be a host or want to be a host, one of the things that he talks about is go to the property, think of it like you are a single female walking in this property. Maybe you are a single female, and that's easy for you, right? But if you're not a single female, and I'm not trying to get you to identify as a single female, I just want you to go and look <laughs> from that lens, right, Stallion? <laughs> 
And you look around and say, would you feel safe? And I think if you do not feel safe, then you should not get it regardless of the, the deal. Because this exactly. the inside of this property, the person may look amazing. But unfortunately, the problem with Airbnb is that you don't really get to see, you get to kind of see somewhat of the outside, but you don't get to go see the neighbor's house. You don't get to see the house across the street, the four houses down from it, the, you know, the, the car up on blocks, the, you know, the guy, you know, sharpening his chainsaw, you know, two <laughs> houses down. You don't get to see all of that. And I think that that part is one of the things we ought to consider because unfortunately I didn't do I made a critical mistake when booking this, Joey. I did not read the reviews. Oh, I was about to say, that was my only question. Did you read any reviews? Because surely somebody's mentioned this. The reviews were four point, it was like a 4.6 star review. Huh. But the first review available, oh. the last review said, bad neighborhood. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I would have just only read that. I would have totally not booked it. So uh, uh, word to the wise, when booking a place, read the reviews. When looking, if you're wanting to be a short-term rental host, make sure that the place is safe in the eyes of a single. Like, would you send your daughter there, right? Would you send right. your wife there? Or as a single female, would you want to go into this place or send one of your best friends there if not, pass on it regardless of the deal. This month, we talk a lot about our short-term rental portfolio. I don't want to steal any more thunder from it, but I thought that was a worthy intro into what we're talking about, Stallion. So no let's doubt. jump in right now to the June 2022 Passive Income Report. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. All right, Russ, this is uh, June 2022. Passive income report. Can you believe it's been two years since we've been reporting this to the world? Actually, two full years, right? Because yeah. we started in July of 2020. Exactly. And exactly. We, we went from what, like $2,500 a month to this month over 55000 Oh, you already let the cat out of the bag like right away, immediately. But there's like, no cat. There's no bag. It's just <laughs> money, man. It's numbers. Like, get to the point already. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just first of all, I want to thank you for joining us on this show every single month. You have given us this feedback that this is one of your favorite shows. It helps you to see what's possible when two rednecks from Alabama can build this kind of passive income, this momentum, this quickly. Um, you've shared with us like it's inspiring you, and that's exactly what our hope was. And we didn't know how it was going to end up. We didn't know if we were going to be going backwards or forwards. But we knew that, man, with this focus, things were going to have to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that you've been with us on this journey. Well, so Joey, you, 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 there, there's a saying, and we've repeated a few times, I think it's point, worthy of pointing out again, is that what you track grows. Like, no matter what that is, if you, if you just write down, like if you're one of those who want to, you know, 
get more successful in time management. Just just write down, just track it. Just track where you're spending your time. I, I guarantee you, your efficiency will grow because you will look at those numbers over and over again and you will see where you're losing time and you will stop doing it subconsciously. If you're trying to lose weight, just write down, like get on a scale once a day, write down the number. I guarantee you what will happen is you will start losing weight because you will be more effective in your daily choices because you're writing down that number. But one of our mentors added a little line to that, what you track grows. He says, what you track and report on grows exponentially. That's what we knew would happen if we focused on it, right? Because we were not going to get on the podcast, send it out to the world and not know from the very beginning that we did not want to look like a couple of chumps. We didn't want to look like a couple of rednecks from Alabama. We wanted (laughs) to be able to hit a high level because you and I had had some mentors before us who were leading the way, right? John Lee Dumas, I want to give a shout out to the guy from EO Fire. If you're not following the podcast, love it, man. We met him at an event when we were in Philadelphia. He, we, we started looking him up, following what he was doing. He was sharing his numbers. We saw uh, Pat Flynn with Smart Passive Income. He was doing the exact same thing. And we're like, that's where we want to be. So if you have something that you're focused on, whether it's getting your passive income to just equal your monthly expenses, or you're trying to get to 200%, whatever your number is, track and report on it. Guarantee you'll start to see results. And that's what we've seen, Joey, is as we start publishing this, and I'm going to share my screen here for us, just so everybody who's following live um, as you're watching this, or if you're on the YouTube page, you can you can take a look and see what we're, what we're able to show now. Is I'm so excited, Joey, to see that as we just said, we've got 164,000 in income coming from businesses and investment opportunities outside of our insurance on a business. Most of the people know that we got into this business working on and in the infinite banking space, right? So we don't ever publish that stuff because that's an active business. We don't report on our active businesses, but these are businesses that either we have operators in or just pure investment dollars in. And last month we brought in 164,000. It cost us a little over a hundred thousand dollars to run those businesses. So we netted 55,382. And that's just super awesome. And just as if you're keeping score from the month of May, that was an increase of 18.6%. We went from 46,000 to 55,000 in this month. and as you're as you're saying that, so looking back to June of 2021, we were at 43,526, right? So okay. we, we we jumped up there, what, 12 grand in, in just one year as well. Yeah, year over year. So I, I want to keep tracking that. And speaking of tracking that, I, I want to, like, we always ask the question, what's going well? So from your vantage point, Joey, what's going well? What What went well for us last month? Well, I think overall, I think we've hit our stride in the short-term rental space. That to me was the the highlight of the month. Um, and just to give you some context there, um, we brought in, let's see, I, you know, we need to tally these things a little bit better, Russ. Um, so about 123,000. Okay. I'm grateful that you knew that number. 123,000 and that netted us um, almost 30,000. That's between the properties that you and I own uh, and the, the ones that you own individually and Alexandria have, and then our management company profit on top of that. So 
all in all, it was 29,862 net, which by far was the highest month we've ever had in this business. I think it, it eked out, was it August of last year or July yeah. of last year that we were, we were in the twenties, but nothing this high. So that's, yeah. that's a super high. How, how would you say that we got there? What would be the things that stuck out to you? Well, I mean, as far as what we did differently, maybe in the month of June versus May, if you were following in May, we were talking about implementing some new software. People ask us all the time, hey, what are some of the new things you guys are doing? We started using this new software called Beyond. It basically allows us to assess our ranking on Airbnb because Airbnb, just like most other social sites, are always adjusting their algorithms. When we did that, we kind of fell down on some page listings and being able to then run some A-B testing, getting feedback from that software to figure out which ones are not necessarily showing up as high and ranking as high as we would want to. I believe that along with several other key things, clearly we have an amazing operator, somebody that we've partnered with to help us run this business. They're running it full time. This is their their gig. It's not a side hustle, which I think, Joey, too oftentimes most people run Airbnb as a side hustle. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I do believe that puts us at an advantage when we have a full-time operator that's focused on it. Yeah, I mean, just little things. Like uh, one of the things that Clint was mentioning to us is he's watching our reviews, right, on a regular basis every day. He's seeing, and if there is a negative, because there's always going to be negative feedback on when you're dealing with hospitality industry, right? There's always something that could go wrong, many of which are even out of our own control. But he's watching that, and then he's figuring out ways to counterbalance that and uh, and to, to make sure that we continue to have that super host um, credibility on the on the market. So I think little things like that being full-time. Um, the other part, I think, as far as the momentum behind our short-term rental business for us is that this is the place that we want to very smartly start to expand. And there was a couple of things we got to look at in the month of June. Do you want to kind of go into that? Yeah, I mean, we were always evaluating ways to grow. And one of the ways that we looked at was a boutique hotel. I think, you know, we have a friend of ours that shared something with us said it's like a hotel with no front desk employees, right? <laughs> like that to me is very appealing, right? We want to minimize labor, but creating a space, kind of its own encompassed building that would have up to maybe 10 to 12 units inside of it that could be rented on Airbnb or on our website, wakeupinbirmingham.com. I think there's some interesting things. So there's a building that we're actually evaluating right now. We've actually made an offer on it. Not certain we'll get it or not, but it's an interesting play to be able to create more units in one place that we could also then have storage for the other facilities, which would help us maybe even put some laundry stuff there. So that way we can minimize with some of our linen expense. I think there's some interesting aspects to that, Joey, as well as the space we're looking at could give us a footprint for bigger units. Cause right now, most of our units downtown have only one bedroom. This has a potential for two bedroom type stuff. That's right. And just to be clear, this is a, an existing building that's just gutted. It's like a warehouse building that our operator, again, brought to us and said, hey, I see this being a 10-unit uh, complex that you could 
you could create this. We could do one floor, two floor, and, and then um, have it just basically use an architect and get this thing built out. And just, again, that's a, another value of partnering with the right people who have the vision that you have. They want to, see, you know, he wants to see this be successful. And he, he went and found it. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, I think another lesson to be learned here is also having relationships with real estate people, right? Because actually he's not, he's not the one who found it. He just put the word on the street to a, a group of real estate agents saying, here are the type of things we're looking for and having other people working and partnering with him to bring opportunities, right? Because this isn't the only opportunity they brought to him. They also brought to him an event venue with accommodations in a mountain town in North Carolina, right? That's like right. it's completely different. So you, if we, we say this, that there's this concept of the reticular activating system. It's the things that we say are important and we tell our minds that they're important. We start seeing Joey, I'm playing right. this game with my kids on Saturday. Megan left me alone with three as she took our oldest and went to a swim meet in Huntsville. And I'm trying to keep them activated. I'm trying to keep them engaged in what we're doing. We're driving the Cracker Barrel for breakfast and they've kind of been a little bit fussy with each other. So I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about the reticular activating system. We're going to, to think <laughs> about things. I said, what, what? tell me what's important to you. I went around each one of them and asked them what was something that was important to them, what's something that they see a lot. And then I said, well, let's play that game with cars. Give me a car that you like. And and they went around and when I'm blue convertible other was a, a minivan, which I don't know why my daughter chose minivan. <laughs> Another one had a white truck, right? And I, I had a white Range Rover and, and we were riding to Cracker Barrel back and we just started seeing those cars, right? It's just a simple game. Well, when you start saying that it's important, well, you start telling other people it's important, right? And then they start pointing those out to you, which is what happened in our game, right? Is that when we saw a blue convertible, it didn't have to be my daughter, Betsy, who said blue convertible, my, other, my daughter, Kate saying, look, there's a blue convertible. Well, think about that when you start telling people about what you're looking for. I'm looking for buildings. I'm looking for places for short-term rentals. I'm looking for fill in the blank. Event Not only will you start to see it, but other people, <clears throat> if you're talking, verbalizing it to people, they're going to start talking and showing you those things. Yeah, great point. Great point. And you did bring up the the mountain, uh, North Carolina mountain place that uh, Clint brought to us. It's, a, it's an event venue. It's a historic property that also has um, rooms above it, right? And even a little house behind it that could be used for short-term rental stays. So um, to me, it's a little bit outside of our norm because of the event functionality. Like that to me is a little bit of a learning curve that we would have, um, but we're still going down the due diligence path with that and seeing if it's a good fit for us or not. But I just think that was exciting. The other thing that uh, he brought to us this month was a um, historic, like kind of a reinvention downtown. This was a high-end mixed-use asset and uh, has restaurants, commercial space, and over 140 uh, doors on an apartment complex, really high-end apartments uh, along with parking, which downtown Birmingham, you can have any parking. That's like primo. <laughs> really, and, and I, by the way, I'm a big just following me tribe i'm a complete no on this i think this is a bad idea i i'm i, I don't i've never tell me more idea. tell me more why well, i told you more i told you <clears throat> so what is it that you liked about it so like i love people to be able to hear behind the scenes they didn't get to hear us 
kind of talk about this when we were, the three of us was going, but I was just like a straight no, because what I heard was restaurants. I worked in restaurants when I was in college. I worked in enough restaurants in college to know that I never, ever, 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 ever want to own a restaurant. Now, you may say, well, rest, we don't have to own the restaurant. We can just own the building that the restaurant leases from us. And I go, right. no, I don't want to do that because you know what else I know about restaurants is that those jokers go out of business constantly. The reason I don't want to own one because they're not profitable. The reason mm-hmm. I don't want to be leasing space to one because they're going to leave us with a lease because they're not going to. And I don't I'm not going to go try to sue these people for what money that they may or may not have because they've lost money in this idea. The food industry as a whole, in my opinion, in my experience, and the, and the experience I've had through others is a bad business. I appreciate your opinion, Russ. Um, <laughs> however, what I see is this is a really, really cool, um, I mean, just foundational part of downtown Birmingham. It's been revitalized and people love this area. It's got a food court within it. When you when you talk about that, it is professionally managed and leased, so it's turnkey. I like the I like the idea that it's turnkey. It's already established. It's already being managed, and it's already very profitable. Um, now I did say, you say it's very profitable. What, what were the numbers? To be honest, I don't. Even, I didn't even listen for the profitability of the numbers. Well, it was over three million dollars a year in profit. I don't on how much, what, what were they wise. asking for the property? Well, that was unknown to us exactly, but it's like in the 40 million range. Okay. So they were wanting, what is that? What's the math on that? It's a $3 million seller discretion earnings <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a $43 million asking price. Well, that we haven't gotten to the bad part yet. You haven't asked me what I didn't like about it. That That's over 1300%. What they're asking for, price over the earnings. Yeah. No, I, I don't like the price. That was the thing that I was going to tell you. They want way too much for this property. I do. Well, what like would have been, a, just so, just for, for kicks, what would have been a good asking price? Man, that's a good question. Um, it, well, here's, let me say this. There's a cursory look at this. So the three million may not have been 100%. But, <laughs> but what I'll say is this. The exciting part, why does it apply to you and me anyway, was there's 143 apartments and how awesome would it be to own that asset and be able to take down, let's say 20 to 30 to be short-term rentals right in a cool location, right in the heart of downtown. That would be a great add to our portfolio. Now, what would be even better is if we just partnered with the current owner and did that anyway. So I think that's our, I think that's our game. Yes, that's 1,000% accurate right there. What we want to do is stay in our lane. I think the biggest lesson we all can take away from this is don't get shiny object syndrome. Don't Joey, as you can tell, he likes the building. He thinks it'd be cool to, to tell all the people that he next works with about how he owns this, this building and this really cool area and hip area. I could care less about any of that crap. Usually I'm the one that cares about what things look like. I was about to say. But when it comes to this, I, I could care less. You know what I hear? I hear lots of opportunities for this thing to fail completely outside of our, our space. Not to mention, I I believe we're we're dealing with a potential economic 
recession. Right. And I think a lot of those little businesses in it are no longer going to be there in two years that you're going to see those food courts, right? You're going to see these restaurants, the, some of those commercial spaces are listed in there. Those are going to start dwindling away. Now the 140 apartment complexes, that'd be great. Like if we could carve that out, sell that other part of the asset to somebody else and us keep that part, I'd be sort of interested. But are we buying it at a low or are we buying it at a high? I'd say probably buying it at a high, but maybe because they're having to put those two together, maybe we could find a way to, to like split those out, find somebody else who's maybe an expert in that other space and let them buy it. Maybe they'd be willing to pay more for it than what is being asked. You know, maybe we could make money there and maybe that would help us on our price for the apartment complex part of the asset. I don't know. But for me, I, I feel like that's just not, our lane and not our expertise. But if you're right. listening to this and you have expertise in that, you've done it over and over again, you're looking to partner with Joey and I, hey, reach out to us, info at wealthwellwallstreet.com. Say, I got an idea. And always those present opportunities for conversations. I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not right now. Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, you gotta go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. All right, before we finish with our short-term rental business, the one big good news is you've heard us talk about the house that we bought in Russ's neighborhood that we were going to convert to a corporate retreat um, you know, event venue kind of low key, sh a short term rental, and it got shut down at the city level, right? City shut us down, you cannot use this for short term rental. So, we've been it's been on the market. Good news is it is under contract, no longer to be sold for Bitcoin, which doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> that 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 buyer is no longer with us. Uh, we have a new buyer who is legit, and uh, we have a closing date the end of August. So grateful to have that and just wanted to keep you abreast of that. Now, Russ, tell me what else went well in the month of June. Well, the the land flipping business is always one of our most steady eddy producers, right? If you look between the 55,000 that we brought in in the month of June, 40,000 of that came both from the land flipping business and the short-term rental business. So I, I really I always attribute those two businesses to things that are constantly doing really well. And I, and I, I we reached out to our group who we, we have operating that business and they were, they were saying, Hey, we bought, we bought five properties in the month of June selling to slow down a little bit. And, but they did tell us a story about a property that had actually been the person had been paying payments for the last six months and reached out to them and said, Hey, by the way, I'm just going to let this property go. And sometimes that happens because somebody 
you know, has had a job change, income change, and they're really struggling and, and they just unfortunately can't make the payments. But that wasn't the case here. The person just said, you know, I've changed my mind. I don't want this piece of property anymore. And the way that works is they just sign over the, the, the and, and cancel the contract. We take the con the the property back over 100% and we just remarketing. So on Friday, we got that email. Our, our sales team listed it back on Saturday. By Monday, we had resold the property. So what does that do, Joey? When someone, after six months, quits paying and we resell it, how does that benefit us? Well, it it lowers the amount that uh, we have invested in the deal, right? That person has essentially lowered our basis. And so we can resell it for the same price um, and make more money. So and if we bought it for, say, 2000 and we were we were um, making, you know, we, we were charging them $200 a month in payments, our 2000 cost and they gave us $1,200, we only now owe, we only basically paid 800 for it. But yet we're going to go back and resell it for the same, you know, roughly six grand that we were going to sell it from from the beginning. True? Right. Exactly. I love that. It's just such a simple business. And I'm looking forward to spending time with Mark Podolsky and their team at thelandgeek.com here next month. Well, we're going to actually in August, we're going to be flying out to San Antonio, Texas. They have a live boot camp that they do. I'm glad that we're, we're back to doing live events. I love live events. We're going to get a chance to spend some time there, brush up on our, on our land flipping knowledge. We'll be sharing the infinite banking concept with both their, their main group and also their VIP group. I'm excited to be with them. Joey, what, what takeaways do you have or excited about as it relates to the land flipping stuff? Um, yeah, I, I'm just excited because this is the right team, right? Russ and I, had tried to do the land flipping business with, you know, some as an operator that was not set out to do this. And I think this is something that we could talk about the investor DNA, Russ. I think the investor DNA profile that we have in our community, if you haven't checked that out, go to our community and you can get access to it. It's $99 and it will tell you who you are as an investor and what types of passive income streams, you know, would line up with that and which ones would be opposed to that. I think if we had known more about investor DNA before we started the original land business with our original operator, we never would have started. And that could have saved us some some time. But I want to say that the team that we're working with at the Land Geek is just amazing. And they're they're get, keeping us informed. We purchased, um, I want to say, five properties in the month of June. And that gets me excited about just having that inventory to turn into more notes in the future. So, well, yeah. And and sometimes people ask us, you know, are you guys actually the one doing it? Are you guys the ones mailing the mailers? Are you the one responding on Facebook when the people are, are trying to, you know, click on your ads? And the answer is no, right? I don't even know how to open Facebook. (laughs) Joey doesn't even know how to put a stamp on a, on a, postcard. These are things that we don't know how to do, but partnering with people who do know how to do that and do that well is what we were able to do. And people say, well, how do you get that sort of partnership? Maybe you're an accredited investor. Maybe you're, you've been listening to this podcast and you say, I want to be a part of that done for you model. Well, there is a fast pass, Joey, for those who are part of our passive income mastermind, which is at wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash club 200. That's the place where we help investors 
become better investors. We help them focus on getting not only to where their passive income equals their monthly expenses, but actually doubling their monthly expenses. And we help them level up by being around other seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs and have them accountability, have accountability to the goals that they're setting for themselves and for the next generation. And I think, Joey, what we found is that many of our passive income mastermind members, unfortunately, I thought maybe we're just joining because they want to hang out with you and me. <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> Many of them joined and said, um, I heard about this fast pass that done for you model. How can I get in there? Because Mark and his team say it's like three to four years waiting list. But if I'm a, a member of this thing, I can get into it in as little as six months. <laughs> I want to be a part of that. So they yeah. come and they interview to be in the mastermind just for that. It's okay. We're, we're, we're good with that. We realize this is a pretty Sweet opportunity, something that many of our friends have been taking advantage of. And Joey, you and I have put in about $250,000 just in capital for the land business over and above the fee to get involved in it. And right now, you, you shared with me earlier today, we're at what is our total enterprise value of our business? It was like $1.1 million? One point, almost $1.2 million. Yeah. So not a bad... Not not a bad return on investment with us doing this for the last 18 months or so. I feel like this is a really cool thing that um, some people who are in the right fit, right time and place for it might want to uh, take a look into. All right, Joey, so keep, keep it going down the road, right? So obviously we're sh- we've been sharing what has been working. I want to ask the question, because not everything works well. Where are we stuck? Where would you say that we're stuck right now? Well, I don't know that this is stuck, but I do want to point something out. You'll, if you'll notice on our report, we have been mining Ethereum for almost four years. And just this month, the amount that we were able to mine in Ethereum did not exceed the cost to maintain the computers and the electricity power to man those machines. So that's a that's a big swing for us, right? So for instance, in the month of June, we mined um, almost twenty five hundred dollars, excuse me, twenty eight hundred dollars uh, USD, if you will, the equivalent. But it cost us about thirty five hundred. Is that right? Thirty four hundred. So we lost a little over six hundred dollars, and so that's interesting to me. Like that doesn't help us. What what would you say? Give some insight as to when we reached out to our group that that does this for us, what they had to say about that. Well, I mean, if you're following the crypto space at home, you realize that the crypto prices dropped. Right? We saw just in Ethereum alone, I think it started the month around 1950. It ended the month around 1050. So we had about a 45% drop in price just in the month of June alone. Now, that's one equation. We're not just looking at price. We're also looking at production. What percentage of the global hash rate are our computers actually producing, right? So when we look right. at what's happening globally on the hash rate scene, as I share my screen here, probably getting a little bit over my skis as it relates to these numbers. <laughs> but if, you, if you're looking at this chart, you see early on in the month of June, we started roughly around one2 I don't know what the P stands for, some fancy thing, hash per second, right? And ended around 1.2 pH per second. Well, 
so our operation actually was producing roughly the same. Now I do look over here in July, Joey, and I see that it's significantly dropped, right? <laughs> yeah, so I would expect I would expect in July that we're going to have less production out of our machines. Which, to be honest, I think part of that is you start seeing globally when things like that happen to our machines, it's happening to others' machines. And you're going to see a lot less people mining the cryptocurrency. So hopefully, maybe, yes, the hash per second went down overall, but maybe it won't necessarily impact our numbers because we are still producing at the same level. We didn't stop. I don't think we're going to change right now. There are, you know, lots of things still in in line where Ethereum is is set to move away from proof of work to proof of stake, meaning that you're no longer going to be able to mine it, right? And I think we're maybe three months up to maybe a year or so before that that switchover happens. I think what we'll do is just end up constantly just accruing the Ethereum on hand. And as price hopefully appreciates back to where it was, maybe we'd look at it and say, well, technically we didn't lose anything, right? Because we, we're measuring it on a month to month, but we're not necessarily selling it. So with that, we're not necessarily losing until we do sell it. That's right. And I was going to say, if, if history repeats itself in the crypto world, if we had known about this before, that crypto is really ultimately a currency replacement for the U.S. dollar, and and you know before Russ, when we were in 2018, when we started to see the decline in crypto, we you know you actually stopped mining altogether. Well, I, 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 part of it, I, I did. <laughs> I, I mined in some in one of my unit groups and didn't mine in another one. Right. And what we found out after the fact was it would have been worth it to continue to mine and allow that, you know, the value of that crypto as it caught back up um, in 2020, it was like, wow, wish we had kept mining at the same level. So I think that's why we're going to stay for now, even if the if there is a cost differential. We're already basically baking that into our uh, expectation because we're not selling it. Right. Well, and all we're really doing is, I mean, in essence, the way the better way to say this is not that we lost. We just spent more U.S. dollars to get the equivalent of the Ethereum coin. Right. Right. Because ultimately we're just trading one dollar for this currency. And we've seen as a whole across the, the world right now, you've seen the dollar actually improving against most other currencies. Now, a lot of that is because people are scared to death of what's happening and they're moving to cash. Well, so that's then right. that's actually increasing the value of the dollar. That won't last for long. But so I, I see there's part of that. But also, I want to ask, this is off the sheet here. Okay. Where do you feel like we're stuck? Where are the things that we want to work on? Because I think everybody learns from our experiences, not that they're experiencing the same deal. But you and I oftentimes get on calls with our mastermind and we ask this question, where are you stuck? Right. Where would you say you're stuck right now? I'd say the big thing for me is you guys have actually reached out to us in our masterminds and other things and said, how can we get involved in what you're doing, right? Like what we're doing at a higher level um, you want to be a part of. And to be honest, I have never figured out how we can do any sort of a fun model. And so that to me is something I feel like I'm stuck on. I've, I've reached out to some people and just haven't seemed like I'm getting the best guidance on that. So that's, that's would you I'm say saying. that I, 
I don't disagree that I feel like it's interesting, right? Like it's an opportunity for us to partner with, with the audience, right? The partner with the people who have supported us from the beginning, like help, help you win. I mean, I, to me, that's the key is like, there's an opportunity to help partner with you to help you win because maybe you don't have all the time that Joey and I focus on this. But even with us, one of the areas in which we're stuck in is that we have our hands in so many different things. We haven't stopped and focused directly on this. So I, I would say, Joey, I believe it's just we haven't taken the time to get the proper guidance so that we can understand what is the right model. We know it's easy. We, I mean, we know too many people that are doing that. Right. But you and I, with our, I guess, our cautious nature as it relates to dealing with other people's money, because that, you know, when I'm dealing with mine and I'm mostly dealing with yours, I'm pretty frivolous <laughs> with it. I'm willing to spend it. Like I'm willing to just put it out there and learn. Like my wife yesterday, she's saying, Russ, you know, you took that Turo class with the girls and we talked about, you know, what was going to happen, you know, were you going to just ramp up and then stop and not do anything? You said, no, well, you guys haven't done anything since you guys completed that course about a month ago. And I was like, man, to be honest, I just haven't stopped to think through what the next step is. Crap. Let's just go buy a car tomorrow. You want to go buy a car tomorrow? Like that. I'm just like, <laughs> cause if I buy a car and I put a car in the front, you know, in front of the house, I'm going to take that car and I'm going to go figure it out. I was like, we'll figure it out. I'll just make the girls figure it out. We'll just do it. Right. And I'm frivolous as it relates to something like that with my own money. But I, I know you're very similar to me. We don't want to be frivolous with someone else's. We're, right. we're fearful that we don't have the time to do all the needed steps. And if you're, if you're a securities attorney, you're somebody out there that's done this over and over again, info at wealthwellwallstreet.com. I have an idea. <laughs> just put that in the subject line. And we, we'd love to talk to you about it because there's a the thing. We know it can happen. We just got to stop and and spend a little time focusing on that so that we, we don't because we are the passive income kings, right? People have shared that with us over and over. We need to have an outlet for people to get involved in it and, and take off. So, Joey, we don't have time to keep going through each one of these line items. You know the line items. You know the ATMs. You know the um, short-term rental stuff. You know the community all the different things we're involved in. If you want to see the chart, if you're not watching on YouTube, go or you can check the show notes. We'll put all this in there. But we appreciate you for, uh, for listening. If there's something that you believe that uh, we need to know about, info at wealthwellwallstreet.com. I have an idea. Thanks as always for tuning in and we'll see you next month on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.